0: Money and soul. Talk wait. This is Dr. Daniels, and welcome to Healing with Dr. Daniels. And it is Tuesday, February 7th. My time flies. 2017. And today's topic is Killing You Softly. It is just uh, awesome that the medical-industrial complex is so dangerous, so, so dangerous, that it kills at least, at least, 850,000 people every year. That number is actually probably closer to 2 million people. In other words, of the Americans who die every year, about 2.5 million, let's say. There's overwhelming evidence that somewhere around 2 million of those people actually die as a result of the health care they receive. In other words their life is actually substantially shortened because they received health care. Now, as many of you know, the theme of my radio show is that 880,000 Americans, every year at least, die as a result not of their disease, but of their medical therapy. And so each week, I try to shed a little more light on just where these uh, deaths are coming from. So, I know a lot of you have been patiently listening, patiently listening, while you watch statistics showing that Americans are living longer and longer every year. And if I just told you that more Americans are dying in 2016 than in any other year in American history, you would say, oh, Dr. Daniels, people are older. Those old people, they're dying. That's who's dying, those older people. Uh Aha. Well, something came into my mailbox, as usual, came from a reliable source. Yesterday, Bob. It came from the U.S. News World Report. And guess what they told me? For the first time since 1999, United States life expectancy is declining or has declined. So this is Huge. Absolutely huge. So, in other words, if medical care is so safe, and medical care is so important, and if it produces such a beneficial uh, effect on life, then why? Why is it that uh, more Americans now are dying than ever? Not only that, but life expectancy has declined. Now, it has declined by 0.1 years. This is important for for you to grasp. So 0.1 years is how many? That's 1.2 months per man, woman, and child in the United States. But wait, but wait, not every man, woman, and child dies every year. Yeah, so if we take the figure that 0.008 people die every year, and life expectancy is reduced by one, then what we have to do is divide one by 0.008. What we find is... For each person who dies or who died in 2016, their life was shortened by 12.5 years. Yeah, 12.5 years for each death. That's like, holy smokes. (laughs) Whoa, whoa, this is not good. This is not good at all. So in 2016, what do we have? Listen to the protesters, they will tell you. In 2016... We had more insured Americans than ever. 18 million additional Americans had insurance. And if the present president repeals Obamacare, 18 million people, by the way, of all ages, will lose their health insurance and will lose their access to medical care. Let's just say for a, uh, a moment, let's just believe the the party line, the propaganda, the conventional wisdom, that health care influences health and therefore influences life expectancy. That would mean that the Obamacare has really cut people's life short, has really cut people off at the knees. Now, this is the other shocking thing, is... That this decreased life expectancy has impacted Americans of every single age group. If you will recall, approximately six months ago, I did a radio show highlighting the fact—well, the fact—the report mailed again to your doctors' inboxes that white people, both genders, from the age of 44 to 54 we dying in record numbers. This is, this is absolutely shocking. This is like working age people in their prime, supporting their family. Heaven forbid they did the right thing, got their education first. So they're not even grandparents. These people, 44 to 64, I mean to 54, are the parents of teenagers. And boom, they're being just mowed down, just mowed down, exterminated, if you will. So, how do you explain? that the death rate is up and life expectancy is down when we have more uh, medical care available than ever? The answer, of course, is the obvious, right? That the health care is killing them. So you say, Dr. Daniels, there's no evidence of that. Why the cause of death, the top 10 causes of death, not a single one lists medical care. Iatrogenic death, medical intervention, is not listed in the top 10 causes of death. Now, just to uh, help you understand this, who's writing the top 10 causes of death? Who's filling out The death certificates? The assassins, of course. So the people who are killing Americans in record numbers, are the same ones who are filling out the death certificates. So, of course, they're not going to write down on the death certificate, I did it. No, that's not not what the death certificate is going to say. It's not going to say, I did it, my fault, I killed the patient. You're not going to get that. Um, So let's take a look. And see, and see if we can uh, figure out what these causes of death are, and how how these uh, causes of death are actually being concealed, because no one is is you know this is not being written on death certificates. And death certificates slash medical records are what is, um, what is used to decide that, um, what the cause of death is. And so we have to take a look at these causes of death and see if we can tease out what might actually be causing uh, the death. Unfortunately, uh, the most recent year for which we have data is uh, 2015. But I assure you, 2016 is not a whole lot different from 2015, uh, just one of those things. All right, so let's take a look at this uh, this, this thing. So to to look at the top 10 leading causes of death, and I assure you, the causes of Decreased life expectancy can surely be found in this, in this list. All right, so the top 10 causes. Numero uno is heart disease. Oh, by the way, these account for 75% of all deaths. So we expect that we're going to find the cause of death somewhere in this list. The uh, medically permitted, legal, endorsed killings. All right, number one. Heart disease. Now, if you've been listening to the propaganda, uh, the same propaganda your doctor gets, then you know that heart disease is well, it's a lifestyle thing. You know, you eat bad, you um, have a high cholesterol, maybe your blood pressure is high. That's what causes heart disease. Interesting. But did you know? Did you know that 60% of women with breast cancer actually die of heart disease? And this heart disease is a common side effect of breast cancer chemotherapy, namely adriamycin, also known as red death. I mean, how obvious can you get, right? If someone nicknamed a drug red death, would somebody take it? Well, apparently so. So we have a huge piece right there, um, heart disease. So you buried your chemotherapy side effects, certainly in the breast cancer population heart disease. Now, if we do a little more math, not strain our milk too much here, uh, about 35,000 women each year in the United States die of heart disease. So, as that represents more or less about a third of women diagnosed with breast cancer, and then you can can easily see that 70,000 people a year die, women, of their chemotherapy side effects. So there you have it. That's 70,000 right there Of the 700 and some odd thousand who die of heart disease, we've practically hacked off 10%, just right there, in a blink. All right. What about another diagnosis? Diabetes. Now, most diabetics, again, do not die of diabetes. This is shocking, but it's it's true. So most diabetics die of other diseases, like heart disease. How about that? Now, how do you know the diabetic died of heart disease? Well... You found him dead in bed the next morning, and it must have been a heart attack. But wait, but wait. Let's take a look at dead in bed syndrome. Would you believe there's actually a disease called dead in bed syndrome? It's when diabetics take a recommended amount of their insulin, but... They go to bed, and the dose was apparently a little more than what their body was ready for, and they die in their sleep. And so these are listed as heart attacks. Yeah, these are listed as heart attack deaths. So now we have another important piece to the heart attack puzzle this big, big category called heart disease. So now we've got another 50 to 80,000 people who are dying, again, from their medical therapy. But it's buried in this heart disease. So now we've got this 700 and some odd thousand heart disease number chiseled down um, to well under 600,000. But it doesn't stop there. No, it doesn't stop there. Did you know that many commonly used medications, namely sleeping medications, Cause deaths every year. And the death certificate doesn't say died of sleeping medication. It doesn't even say old age. It doesn't even say unknown cause. No, 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 no. It says heart disease, heart attack, a silent MI, a silent heart attack in, in sleep. Why? Because the person took a sleeping pill. What's this number? There are people who will quibble. But the ambient protesters, and we can't believe protesters, but it's the best number we've got, um, say more or less about 50,000 people every year die of uh, sleeping pills. And what is their death attributed to? Oh, a heart attack. How many times have you heard, oh, he died in his sleep of a heart attack. Oh, thank God he was asleep. He never felt it. Well, what if he really died of his sleeping pills? That's only 50,000 people a year, not to say your loved one who was taking a sleeping pill, really died of a sleeping pill, and not the heart attack, but just saying it happens a lot. It happens a lot. So the FDA, of course, is contemplating withdrawing Ambien from the market, but it says, oh, no, 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 we can't, we can't deprive these people of the opportunity to die at the hands of Ambien peacefully in their sleep. So we want to give people time to switch to another Medication is just as kind and just as gentle. Again, killing you softly. So uh, this heart attack number is getting pretty darn, pretty darn small. Yes, pretty darn small. Now, another thing in the heart disease figure, depending on which figure you look at, is... Um, Sometimes they include stroke. I see, looking at this list, that stroke is not included in heart disease, so we'll handle stroke under stroke. So the heart disease number, then, is getting pretty darn small. And literally, uh, we're seeing that medical intervention is responsible for quite a few of these heart disease deaths. And this is all the more appalling when the medical industrial complex says, hey, come to us for early diagnosis of your heart disease. And we're going to put in stents, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do open-heart surgery, and we're going to do all of these things to keep you from dying of a heart attack. Or worse yet, maybe put you on cholesterol-lowering medications. There is no medicine that's going to offset the effect of the chemotherapy in these women. There is no uh, medicine or screening test that's going to offset these deaths from sleeping pills, these deaths um, from insulin dosages, no, none. And so it becomes really a hoax on top of a hoax on top of a hoax. And so heart disease as a cause of death cannot really decrease. It certainly can't decrease as a result of seeing a cardiologist when you have all these other causes of death, iatrogenic, doctor causes of death, put into this disease called, this category called heart disease. So, if someone says, oh, he died of heart disease, the real question is, well, geez, was he taking arthritis medicines? By the way, your, your favorite arthritis medicine, whether it's Motrin, Nuprin, Indusin, um, they all increase uh, death from heart disease. So the person taking an arthritis pill, a sleeping pill, diabetes medication, or had they Survived their breast cancer? Yeah. Only to be killed by the chemo? Not clear, but worth inquiring, worth asking. Yes. So heart disease is uh, top, uh, a top killer there. And we can see that once you deduct the iatrogenic causes of heart disease or death that's classified as heart disease, that this category really... Um, subsumes and conceals a tremendous amount of killings. I've got to remind you, this is not murder. No, it's not murder and it's not homicide. Murder and homicide are reserved for killings that are not approved of or permitted by the government. So every time a doctor or the medical industrial complex or a member thereof kills a human being, it's okay. It's okay. It's the cost of doing business. It's the cost of curing. And we were told in medical school, you're going to kill patients. Don't worry about it. You're going to kill patients. However, the lives you save will far outweigh the lives that you take. Therefore, you have special permission from the government to engage in the practice of medicine, knowing full well people will die. Because the good outweighs the negative, this is... Not only permitted, but in the better interests of society. Now, fortunately for me, probably for my patients and even for you listeners, I was programmed really early on in life that it was not okay to kill anybody for any reason except self-defense. And even then, if a lesser form of deterrent was not available. So when I sat there in medical school class and they explained to me how it was okay for me to kill people because of the greater good, I said, oh, no, 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 no. Uh-uh, uh-uh, I've had prior instruction on this one. I am not going to engage in any activity that might endanger another person's life. Just not going to do it. So doctors are trained right there in medical school that it is their job to kill a certain number, to save an even greater number. Very, very interesting. And this philosophy makes it even more possible, because, of course, you can always count the ones you kill, right? But the ones you save, ah, it's a little, more number, a little softer number, a little softer number, kind of nebulous, nebulous. So we're told in medical school then that for every person who dies as a result of your therapy, standard of care, proper therapy, of course, that a certain number, a greater number, Will live. So, for example, if you kill one person, then you necessarily must have saved the life of well, three or maybe even five people. And so it almost comes down to killing as many people as possible because when you apply these protocols, standard of care, and people die, the researchers have already done, done studies showing that for each person who dies, from this therapy, a greater number will live. Of course, I went to the dean. I said, show me the numbers. Show me who are these people. Who are these people whose lives were safe? And he said, well, Jennifer, you know, you can't really ever know which people these are, and that's why you have to treat every single person according to the standard of care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shocking, but true. True. really happened. So that's heart disease. What about cancer? Cancer's interesting. So cancer, and they put in parentheses, malignant neoplasm, neoplasms. Now, you wonder why they have to put malignant neoplasms in parentheses. I'll tell you why. Because there are cancers out there. They're not malignant. And they're not even neoplasms. And they would never kill anyone if left alone. But the people who have these harmless cancers, are subjected to chemotherapy, are subjected to disfiguring surgery, and often die. Which cancers are these? Well, three off the top of my head would be stage 0 breast cancer, which is DCIS, if you've ever heard that not that term, um, prostate cancer, and thyroid medullary carcinoma. These are three cancers which the uh, medical industrial complex has confessed, has confessed that while they are cancers, there is not any indication that treatment of these cancers extends life substantially. And so, in the case of prostate cancer, they stoop so low as to say, well, the person lives five years after diagnosis, then they're cured. And 10 years after diagnosis is a double cure. But wait they seem to get the same rate of cures and double cures even among men who are not treated. So uh, so this cancer, they, they don't treat, they don't count uh, the pretend cancers that they're treating everybody for. And that's why you have this parenthesis malignant neoplasm because they're not counting the non-malignant cancers which are treated with surgery, chemo, and radiation. Okay, so this is our number we have. Um, and this number is more or less 500000 half a million. And notice it's a little bit less than the heart disease number. This is interesting because I've talked to people. You know, I give a lot of, When I was in the States, I'd give all these presentations. I'd give presentations on heart disease and on cancer, all kinds of stuff. Without fail, people will come up to me and say, Dr. Daniels, I have all kinds of friends and relatives dying of cancer, Nobody's got heart disease. How can heart disease be the number one killer? Well, now you know. Heart disease is the number one killer because the iatrogenic killings are concealed in that category. Okay, so what's going on with cancer? A lot of these malignant neoplasms, uh, people, they do have these cancers. Many of them, however, die of the chemotherapy as a result of the intervention. For example, the medical industrial complex has recently admitted that doing a biopsy, for the purpose of diagnosing cancer, breaks open the capsule that's encapsulating the cancer and causes it to spread and facilitates the spread of cancer. And so I went to medical school, I can tell you, we were taught every single cancer needs a a biopsy. You cannot make a diagnosis of cancer without a biopsy. By golly, you've got to get those cells and, you know, document it. And so the treatment of cancer is fraught, fraught with... um, harmful, health-damaging interventions. Uh, nothing less to say, uh, I mean, you have to mention, of course, just just the surgery, right? So every time you do surgery, it has a death rate. That's, that's it. It's just a measurable death rate just because you went under anesthesia, a cut was made, and you were closed up. If that's all you did, somebody's going to die from that. Just It's just the way it is. So the intervention of surgery shortens a person's life. Then you compound that with the intervention of chemotherapy, again, another life-shortening intervention. And then, of course, you compound that with radiation. So with cancer, then, you have a person who, again, malignant neoplasm, so we're putting out, getting rid of all the ones who were healthy to start with, or that, we, that the medical-industrial complex now admits we're healthy to start with. And you count the ones who are sick to start with and then you subject them to these uh, health damaging procedures and you get quite, quite the death rate. And so a lot of cancer people, even though on the death certificate it's written they died of XYZ cancer, what's not written down is the death was hastened by the medical intervention. And this is a, a real uh, tragedy in the therapy of cancer and for cancer patients so buried in this cancer category in terms of um, death is those who died from the therapy itself and that is something that of course will always always be concealed i had a patient in my practice who was 35 years old that's pretty darn young 35 years old She was diagnosed as having cervical cancer, and she had radiation therapy. And she died in the midst of chemotherapy. So obviously, clearly, it was the chemotherapy that killed her. Uh, This is marketed to people as their only chance, their only chance. And these are people who are otherwise sane, who are otherwise totally averse to gambling. These aren't people who go to the casino and bet the whole house uh, on red, black or even, and yet these people are betting their whole life. In other words, they're betting their remaining days. They're willing to lose their remaining days on what even the doctor tells them is a total long shot. Why? Because of programming, because of propaganda, because of preconditioning. It's unfortunate but true. So here you have it, cancer. Then there's chronic lower respiratory diseases. This is uh, uh, a tragedy. So chronic lower respiratory diseases, uh, there's really only two diseases that fit this category. One is emphysema, and the other one is asthma. So uh, let's take a look at asthma. It'll help us understand emphysema. Okay. So asthma usually affects younger people. Um, there's a belief that it has an allergic basis. The cause of asthma, for the purpose of this discussion, is actually irrelevant, but let's just say the cause of asthma is not a lack of drugs. Okay, so what is the treatment for chronic lower respiratory disease? The treatment is steroids, in other words, to suppress the immune system, get rid of the body's ability to fight uh, disease, and that's one therapy. What's the next therapy? You'll love this one is beta um, agonist. What does that mean? It means it's a drug they inhale that makes their heart beat faster, and they generally die of arrhythmias. And when I was in medical school back in 1979 to 83, it was 1982, and it was absolutely shocking. It was devastating to all of us. They had these new beta agonists that came out that lasted for 12 hours. I'm like, this is awesome. People can use this twice a day instead of four times a day. And it just came out, and so, of course, the uh, rich and famous were using this inhaler, and they were dropping like flies. One actor, actually, it was the actors. One actor after another was found dead in his apartment with the inhaler in his hand. Finally, they said, well, you know, this inhaler is killing asthmatics. These beta Agnes, And way back when, again, the dark ages, 1980-something, it was recommended that um, asthmatics take two puffs four times a day. Fast forward to 2017. It's now recommended that asthmatics take two puffs no more than two times a day. And there's actually a warning put on in these inhalers. And the um, medical industrial complex openly admits that these inhalers are killing people so here we have chronic lower respiratory disease. This is the asthmatic. Now, the asthmatic is a younger person, healthier person, and the asthmatic um, generally is pretty healthy between their episodes of asthma attacks. So then, now we take the same therapy, same therapy, beta agonists and steroids, and we give it to who? the person with emphysema who's been smoking cigarettes for 20 years. Now, you know what it's going to do to him, right? He's not even starting out healthy. So the chronic lower respiratory disease, again, a lot of these deaths are people dying from their therapy, a fair number of them. Then there's accidents. Oh, I love accidents. <laughs> accidents is number three. And accidents kill like 100 and. 50,000 people a year. I'm like, holy cow. Man, what happened? The whole country's just tripping and falling and breaking their neck? What's up with this? This It's a lot of accidents, man. People should be a little more careful, don't you think? I mean, we got cars with seatbelts now. They got the brake lights. They got all kinds of things. What's with all these accidents? Okay, so car accidents. That's a reasonable place to start. So do you know if you're driving a car and you're under the influence of alcohol or marijuana, let's say, you get a ticket, you can lose your license, you have to hire a lawyer. I mean, it's quite the process. I mean, I've, I've only heard about it. You know, I, clients have told me about this terrible ordeal. But do you know if you're driving a car and you have an accident because of your insulin dose or because of the hangover from your sleeping pill? or because of your pain medications, there's no such process. Nope, 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 none, forget it, it's okay. Don't worry about it. And so a lot of car accidents uh, are actually people who are under the influence of their medications. I oh, always say many. What's many? Many is 10% or so. What about other accidents? Now, the definition of accidents helps. Let's, let's read the definitions unintentional injuries. So an unintentional injury means, yeah, somebody else, somebody did it, or human effort maybe was expended, but the actual death was not intentional. This is an important nuance. So what's an unintentional injury? What's an accident? I stumbled upon this when I was looking into the skyrocketing death rates among diabetics. I was Googling and looking and searching, and I said, Accident rate among diabetics through the roof. So what did I think, right? Diabetics, trip, fall, break through neck, right? Sure, that's what I thought. Uh Uh-uh, I was wrong. I was wrong. An accidental, unintentional injury in a diabetic means a diabetic takes the recommended dose of insulin without intending to die and dies as a result of taking the insulin is directed. How you like them apples? That's about 30,000 accidents. That alone is more than 10% of all accidents. We never even touched car accidents. So in the accidents then, a lot of iatrogenic doctor-caused deaths, we'll call it killings, take place. Huge, huge, huge. So that's accidents. So accidents, easily 20-30% of the accidents are um, iatrogenic. That means if the person had not seen the doctor, had not been properly diagnosed, had not received their medications according to the standard of care, they would not have had that accident and they would be alive. So what about stroke? Stroke is very, very interesting. Did you know that 10% of people who take cholesterol-lowering medications have strokes? Shocking, isn't it? Shocking. How could a medication, called call it a cholesterol medication, prevent one blood clot, the one that goes to the heart, but not prevent the other blood clot or cause the other blood clot, which goes to the brain, called a stroke? Very interesting. But guess what? I don't write the package inserts for these people, so I can't tell you about that one but it's, it's, it's shocking. So stroke is actually caused by many medications out there on the market. Um, it's caused by cholesterol medications. It's caused by proton pump inhibitors. A tremendous number of medications cause stroke. So stroke is a huge iatrogenic um, event, which is uh, absolutely absolutely amazing amazing Um, another common cause of stroke which is really shocking is blood thinners so if you get your blood thinned with a blood thinner um, it can cause bleeding into your brain so um, lots of strokes going around and a lot of them are iatrogenic in other words caused by doctor intervention caused by therapy and these are not doctors who are cavalier, incompetent, untrained. no. These are doctors prescribing medications according to the standard of care, and being sure that everything is, you know uh, done properly on the up and- up, person's fully diagnosed, the proper tests are done, proper medications are prescribed. and boom, the person uh, dies. Just boom. Then we have the next um, highest cause of death is diabetes. This is diabetes mellitus, uh, which would make it type 2 diabetes. Actually, type 2 and type 1, but type 1 is is, uh, relatively rare. It's it's fewer than 5% of all diabetics. So this is really a a type 2 diabetes number, more so. And again, this number has been mysteriously stable. Well, (laughs) the mystery, of course, is uh, pretty clear once you realize that most of diabetics who die are classified uh, as accidents or heart disease. And so then we have this uh, death from diabetes. And so there are times when they do write down that the person's blood sugar went too high or too low and therefore diabetes, or the person might die, say, of a foot ulcer or something like that, and they'll say, uh, you know, indirectly they died from diabetes. So we're going to leave the diabetes category alone. The next category is truly scandalous. This is influenza and pneumonia. This is about 55,000 deaths a year. The shocking thing about this is the actual number of influenza deaths verified by uh, culture, the CDC, is less than 50 deaths a year. Less than 50 of those 50,000 deaths are actually from influenza. That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. We have people lining up to get flu shots for something that kills 50,000 Americans a year. That is a one in two million risk, not worth even paying attention to, I don't think. But I digress, right? What about this pneumonia number? That's that's another tragedy. So this pneumonia number, which constitutes about 49,000, at least, of these influenza and pneumonia deaths, What's buried there? The hospital-acquired pneumonias are in that number, and of that fifty thousand, the hospital-acquired pneumonias, admittedly, are somewhere between twenty-five and forty thousand. And so here we have uh, pneumonia. What advice do we get for pneumonia? Oh, get a pneumonia vaccine. Absolutely, pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. When people are dying of MRSA pneumonia, Klebsiella pneumonia, all these resistant other types of pneumonias. So the real cause is antibiotic use leading to resistant organisms, and people dying. The propaganda is get a pneumonia shot against pneumococcal pneumonia. And so we have here, as you can see, a total mismatch between what's really going on, these iatrogenic deaths, And what people are being told, which is, oh, my God, it's in the air. It's contagious. Here, use your hand sanitizer. No, it's not going to protect you against your hospital-acquired pneumonia. And then, this is a new kid on the block, kidney disease. This is nephritis, nephrotic syndrome, and nephrosis. Well, these are all pretty fancy words. What are they talking about? What are they talking about? They're talking about uh, people urinating and having protein in their urine, they're having talking about people having chronic inflammation in their urine, and um, simple deterioration of the kidneys. So what what's causing these things? Successful treatment of hypertension causes a lower blood pressure and less circulation of blood to the kidneys, and the kidneys literally shrivel up and die. So you have your hypertensive therapy that causes kidney disease. That's one cause. The next cause is these. Uh, Relatively safe, they're considered safe. Um, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory pain medications. Big, big uh, culprit there. And um, these are the two biggies in terms of kidney disease. And so, again, people are told, "Oh, get checked for kidney disease, get monitored for kidney disease," when What's the major cause? Right there at the doctor's office. you got the fox guarding the hen house. And then we have suicide. Suicide is another one. I mean, the suicide numbers are so high that you would, you would think that every American just wakes up and goes to bed thinking of ways to kill themselves. If only it were that simple. So suicide, at first I thought, man, suicide, that must be like like people are depressed and they're sad and, and they think about it like, oh, my God, I've got to end it all. You know, that's the answer. That's the answer. My life is filled with so many problems I can't possibly handle them. I've got to kill myself, by golly. That's what I thought. But then I looked into it. Most people who commit suicide are not depressed. I'll repeat that in case you missed it. Most people who commit suicide are not depressed. When I found that out, I said, Whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. So they're not they're not depressed, they're not sad. Why are they killing themselves? Well, there you go. That darn diabetic using that tight control, administering his insulin as instructed, gives himself insulin, goes to bed, wakes up dead, and what do they do? They chocolate to the suicide. Yep, suicide. So these poor diabetics, they got them classified, they're padding the numbers for suicide and homicide or suicide and uh, accident to obscure the real cause of death in these diabetics, which is the medical intervention, the insulin, the instructions are given, just a little handy number for you to be aware of. Medical industrial complex came up with it, not my number, check their numbers if you're suspicious. Just being on insulin doubles a diabetic's risk of death. Just being on insulin doubles the risk of death, independent of the hemoglobin A1c. So those of you diabetics out there who are watching your hemoglobin A1c, oh my God, I got to get that under control. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. If you're using insulin, your chances of death are double what they would be without insulin. So suicide, intentional self-harm, Number 10 on the list is suicide. And this is such a terrible sham. So suicide, you've got the diabetics taking medicines as instructed. Then you've got the antibiotics. This was a real sleeper. So um, the antibiotics often given for um, urinary tract infections like Levaquin, for example, um, increase the risk of suicide. People actually take the, take the antibiotic and it's like, wait a yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, I need to kill myself. And boom, they go and kill themselves. People have absolutely no history, no history of depression at all. And then, of course, I look at every uh, antidepressant and it will tell you in the first two weeks of use, chances of the person committing suicide are increased whoa, wait a minute, if you're treating a depressed person with a drug to prevent suicide, how is it, how can you be justified in using a drug that increases suicide, supposedly the very thing you're trying to prevent? Hey, I did not write the standard of care, so I actually don't have the answer to that question. And so it's absolutely uh, absolutely shocking how these leading causes of death, 10 leading causes of death, uh, are being used. And these categories are manipulated to conceal the very real and rampant uh, killing going on in the medical industrial complex. And this is something that is absolutely devastating to the population. And when you stop and think that every single American at every single age group has experienced a decreased life expectancy. That is shocking. That means that uh, infants, children, adolescents, young adults, people in their prime, middle age of life, peak productivity, peak income, and retired people are all being killed at an increased rate. So what does this have to do with our present contemporary event? Well, for those of you who probably weren't paying attention, there's something called the Affordable Care Act to make sure that every American has health care and that every American has access to, well, being killed lawfully with the blessing of the government. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want free and easy access to being killed with government approval. That doesn't really do anything for me. In fact, where I come from, I realize that killing is legal. I realize there's probably a good chance that, you know, people will make an attempt on my life. But I just have one rule. I want to make sure that whoever either makes an attempt on my life or succeeds, they do not get paid. They do not get paid. And so repeal of the uh, Affordable Care Act, and don't even replace it, please, don't replace it. Repeal of the Affordable Care Act will literally save hundreds of thousands of lives in the United States. It's unfortunate that many citizens are campaigning, are protesting, um, much to their own detriment, to uh, continue this Affordable Care Act and to have this system for making sure that whoever kills them gets paid. But I would ask anyone who is concerned about health insurance or even who has health insurance to reconsider and take a look and look back over the last 10 times you used your health insurance And ask yourself just how much benefit it really was to you. Now you're probably saying, well, Dr. Daniels, you know, you probably have health insurance. No, I don't have health insurance. I haven't had health insurance since about uh, 1992. 1992, that's a few years back. Yeah, way back. And I will tell you, Not having health insurance has been awesome. It has been amazing. It has been wonderful. Because I don't think of getting any screening tests. I don't ever get anything checked out. I just don't even have... I don't have 911 on speed dial. I don't even know where the hospitals are. It's amazing. The whole piece... I have removed from my consciousness, and it has given me so much more free time, so much more discretionary time. Say nothing of money. Uh, to not have paid health insurance premiums, um, you know, for almost thirty years—that's well, friggin' awesome. What well, it is, awesome. Um, so, I would invite you to really rethink that. That what's really going on here is. By having insurance, you create a system where you're making sure that whoever kills you gets paid. In fact, the individual most likely to kill you, the medical industrial complex, uh, gets paid. We have a few minutes possible. I can answer some questions. Let me just take a look in the chat room, see what we got going on. (laughs) Okay. Okay, so this person says, uh, I used 3-grade hydrogen peroxide and nebulizer when I had pneumonia. And it's just like Bill Monroe suggests, and it worked great. Okay, there you go. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, Dr. Dan, the scarier truth is it's really not that difficult if someone knows what they're doing. The CIA, FBI, DARPA, NSA, and Homeland Security have known forever how easy it is to brainwash people and convince them into doing horrible things. Yes, and of course, the issue is, in healthcare, they have brainwashed the patient to aid and abet in his own destruction. And... It just absolutely cannot happen without the um, cooperation of the victim. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Dr. Daniels, I know that the federal agencies and pro-insurance organizations are lying when they say eating raw sprouts is dangerous to your health due to numerous outbreaks that kill people every year due to salmonella and other things. But I don't know how to argue the point to someone who is on the fence about choosing to grow and eat sprouts. How do you support that risk to people who are hesitant? Okay, so salmonella is simply a hand-washing issue. So if the person makes their own sprouts at home and they wash their hands, then they're not going to have a salmonella salmonella issue. Now, all of these um, outbreaks that kill people every year due to sprouts, without exception, are sprouts that were commercially raised, shipped to the store where they were then sold to people. And a lot of times there's cross-contamination in the shipping process. In other words, the sprouts were shipped in a truck where um, meat had been shipped previously. So uh, if the person is raising their own sprouts, they really have nothing to fear. But if they're still worried, then they can raise their own sprouts and they can rinse them in a vinegar water solution, which will um, take care of the problem and rinse them out. Um, back again. Can turpentine help with fungal infections, whether they are internal or external, like rashes and bumps? Absolutely. So definitely do go to vitalitycouncils.com and get your free report, the Candida Cleaner. Download that, read it twice, and then uh, give it a go. Back again. So, is discontinuing these medications necessarily lower the risk of suicide? Absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely, because these aren't suicides. These suicides, these are people who are administering their insulin, for example, with the expectation of lowering their blood sugar, but they die as a result of their medication. And these deaths are covered up by being classified as suicides, and so this greatly explodes the suicide number. So the number of suicides, you know, they're going to tell the next to kin it was a suicide but these suicides will, will drop dramatically. If diabetics would just do one thing, refuse insulin, that's how bad it is. I mean, the death rate is just so much higher. Okay. <laughs> yes, Dr. Daniels, does suicide increase the death rate among people taking antidepressants? Um, there are some studies showing that, yes, it does. Okay. okay alright that is it we have only several seconds left that's why I remind people our share the love sale for Valentine's Day is coming up and the only way to get notice of this is to be on my mailing list so go to vitalitycouncils.com download your free report the Candida Cleaner And that will give you, of course, some very valuable information, but it will also get you on the mailing list, so you will receive a notice of the Share the Love sale. Okay, let's see here. We only have like 40 seconds left, so we don't have any time to take any more questions. So I am sorry I won't be able to take any more questions today, but we'll be back on Sunday. And uh, meanwhile, Share the Love. And thank happens.